0: One week until the NFL Draft and the coverage does not stop on the Washington Football Talk podcast. Awesome interview coming up with NFL Network analyst and reporter Steve Weish. We get down to, is quarterback really going to happen? What about linebacker? What about offensive linemen? Plenty to discuss coming up right now. Draft is one week away. That means three straight nights of the middle of the night in my basement podcast. Get ready, everybody. Washington Football Talk podcast.
1: See, over the past 100 years, we've learned that to succeed in business, we've got to keep our customers happy. And that's the Oarsman story. Oarsman Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram. Let's ride together.
0: What up, everybody? It's JP Finley's Washington Football Talk Podcast. Pete Haley joins me. Mitch Tischler's out on the West Coast. He may or may not be joining. We've done a poor job of communicating and planning, and nobody is shocked by that. We have an awesome interview coming up with NFL Network Steve Weish. Uh, I did want to start, Pete, with the story that I'm kind of over, but maybe that's the wrong attitude. Alex Smith in Sports Illustrated said that he was pretty unhappy with how the Washington football team handled his comeback. He felt like the coaches patronized him. He was put through significantly more uh, on field work than other players. I know that part to be true. I, I know that they were pushing him super hard in OTAs and to get him cleared. And they they had a real hard time with the doctors clearing him. Um, I just, I'm just kind of over it, man. The story was so good. Alex got to come back. He guided this team to the playoffs. And I just... I understand that Alex is frustrated and unhappy with how it shook out. I I think it honestly sounds to me that there's some, some actual stuff between Alex and Ron uh, on some level, but like, as, as a person that covers this football team and lives in this city, Alex is retired. The team publicly anyway, has done everything possible to like congratulate him and thank him for all of his time served. Um, Like he's legitimately friends with the owner. So I don't think like the organization's out to get him. Um, I understand why Ron was freaked out about playing him. Everybody was freaked out about playing him. He didn't get a job. He retired. I, there were no offers. I don't believe. So I I understand both sides. I just kind of want to move on. That's, that's my bottom line with all of
2: this. Yeah. There are two people on this zoom call and there are two people who are ready to move on from the story on the zoom call. I would maybe care a little if Alex was still in the league and like maybe he was going to potentially play Washington next year, but like it's over. His time in the league is done. Washington has his temporary successor and is interested in finding his long-term successor. And I just don't really care anymore. I'm sorry. I don't, I'd rather talk about bad team name ideas or uh, you know, how your landscaping is going in your backyard. Alex can say what he wants and I'm still going to respect him. And I still think his story is incredible and, him being bitter afterward isn't gonna change that fact. But I don't know, like publicly, Ron was very supportive of him throughout the year. It gave him all the credit for being so smart, being able to spread the ball around, being able to help younger guys. And then since he's retired, there's been nine different statements, a couple tribute videos. It's It's been really classy for once for the Washington football team. And uh, I, like you, I don't blame Ron at all. They're, of course they were gonna test him out. His leg was in shambles. They had to see if it was gonna work. And if Alex had to do a few extra drills, he had never had to do before. I'm sorry, that's just what the coaches wanted, and they're in charge, and eventually it worked out. You got to play and show your stuff and end on a pretty high note. So over it makes two of us.
0: I wonder if it would have gone different if he got to play the playoff game, because I, I pretty strongly believe he wanted to, and Heineke got to play and played well. But, dude, Alex could barely move in the Philly game. If, if they don't pull Hurts and put in Sudfeld, I'm not sure Washington wins that game. Like, yeah. And the whole concern was what if he gets hurt again? He got hurt again against the Niners and was completely ineffective. And it wasn't whether or not I think Alex or, or people near around Alex believe that Washington didn't fully disclose how bad that injury was from the Niners. Cause they were trying to like kind of control the message in a lot of this. I just don't care anymore, man. Like you're 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 no longer here. You're now out of the league. You're happy, happily moving on. So I don't know. Here's the other part of this that that is a little wild to me is it's tough because you and I probably can come up with a total off the top of our heads. I think it's Uh 12 or 13, but like, all right, I'm sorry. It's 16 games. Alex started 16 games with the Washington football team over 3 years. But this is not some heavily invested like how many games did Rex Grossman
2: start here or John Beck or Donovan McNabb like yeah like Jason Campbell looks like a mainstay compared to this guy. Like you know what I'm saying? Like Kirk Cousins tripled his time here. It's it, it's a lot of angsting about a guy who's, you know, played as many games as like a Dookie Nacho or something hearkening back to the 20 questions guy. Like, I don't know. It's exhausting. Um, I just saw this
0: tweet from the author of the piece and the piece is really well written. Um, Greg Bishop is the, is the writer, a really good reporter for sports illustrated. He said, I'm a tad surprised by the DC area backlash to the Alex Smith piece. What he wanted was transparency and honesty from his coaches. Same as every player in the NFL. Of course, their misgivings are understandable. He says that in the story, but why not be honest with him about it? If we're being really honest, the only reason he was under con the only reason he was on the team was because of his contract. Are they supposed to say that to him?
2: <laughs> no, I don't think so. Um, I, it, it might be tough because it seemed like the story was written a long time ago. It's very in depth. There's talk about Alex being in Hawaii, mentioning March. So, like this story has been in the works for a bit. And you know, maybe if they if it came out along with the GQ, GQ comments earlier. It wouldn't be such a deal, but uh, the Bishop had to finish the story and just put it out now right after the retirement, and that just makes it a bit more annoying to read. But I I just um, think it it got a little screwy there with the timeline, and maybe that's contributing to part of the uproar. Like Bishop didn't know he was going to retire and then put this out a couple days later. I think it just is how it went down. Yeah,
0: I just think – I don't know, man. I just – it's hard to – I think it's pretty clear on this podcast. I'm extremely skeptical of damn near everything the Washington football team does. Um, And I think they're really on the right track with Jason and Ron and, and turning this thing around and we'll see. I hope it lasts for 25 years. I hope, I hope my daughters go to college in a world where the Washington football team's really good at football and does everything the right way, but there's not a ton of recent history to suggest that's what's going to happen. Right. Like let's hope that's the course we're on. So I understand the skepticism or even cynicism with which we have to cover this team, but I don't see it here. And I, and that's recognizing, I, I absolutely know for certain that Alex got put through extra stuff and that he was probably a little surprised that he wasn't part of the plan at all, but go all the way back a year from now. And the plan was Dwayne Haskins. Like, that was the plan. Haskins
2: stunk and had a stripper party. Like, Yeah. And it's also, we can end this now. Also, Mitch sent a picture of him on a golf course, so I don't think he's going to be chiming in to this (laughs) very important discussion. But, like, Alex is trying to, I don't know if it's go at or pick apart or just take issue with Ron Rivera, whose stock is about as high as it gets, who battled cancer all year, and who is universally respected. Like if he was trying to vilify Steve Spurrier or Dan Snyder or someone else with a more checkered past, then I think he'd have more support. But it's it's two really interesting and impressive stories. One guy's trying to go after the other guy. I think Ron's pretty unassailable in this regard and in a lot of regards. So he's not gonna get much sympathy from fans when he Alex is complaining about this plight. I agree with that. And
0: I think that might be part of this that Alex wants to be like, Listen, you guys think one thing, there's a different true story out there. Um, I think that could be what part of what's happening. I also think it's the guy just retired. All this is so fresh. I don't know. It makes it interesting, though, because if when he comes back and they throw him up on the jumbotron on the 40 yard line, like what's the reaction become? What, what, how does that go if Ron's still coaching? Like, yeah, I don't know the next time he's going to, he was, he was in Dan's box for a year. When's the next time he's going to be in Dan's box?
2: Yeah. By the way, for anybody thinking he might become like a position coach here in Washington, I don't think that's necessarily going to happen under this staff.
0: He's not not doing any of that. He's not going to be an assistant quarterback's coach or a low level scout dude lives in Hawaii with 200 mil. He's not doing any of that.
2: Yeah, I think if he comes back, it will be on like the 10-year anniversary of the injury in the new Glossy Stadium when Ron Rivera isn't coaching anymore. But for the meantime, I don't see Alex coming East Coast to the burgundy and Gold area anytime soon. And that's fine. He doesn't have to.
0: That's fine. One week out, Pete, before we go to Weish, because we, we, we recorded the Weish interview maybe Tuesday? Yes, and today's Thursday at 418
2: as we speak. Not only is Mitch on the golf course, that looks beautiful. He's on the Pacific. It looks like effing pebble, kind of. I mean, those are the cliffs. Yeah, I think it, it's more. Oh, he's at Monarch Beach. I wonder if he's trying to, you know, play golf at a the team's future name site, Washington Monarch Beach.
0: Did you see the tweets from the team? Just, I'm telling you, the best path forward is to not talk about this damn name.
2: Yeah, like Jason Wright, his transparency is the exact opposite of Bruce Allen, and it's much better to be more transparent than less. But another briefing about the survey and saying, we're actually still not close. We're not even limiting it down yet. Just power down for two months, get the house in order and then start talking to us again. It's it's too much. The windows are too open in that house.
0: They sent this tweet. This is from the official account. I mean, the official account has what? A million people following it? How many people? 1.3 million people. Dude, the names included in the survey are not a final or comprehensive list. The names included in the survey are not a final or comprehensive list. Does that
2: mean there's more names? Yeah.
0: Like, I mean, what are we doing?
2: Yeah. Like, you still are thinking about others, really? It's talking. We're just this intro before Weiss is just us ranting about things we're very over discussing and and being uh, troubled with. I don't know if we have anything else, but this is another thing that's tiresome. And is being beaten down don't talk about it until you know where you're headed please and then the flip side is
0: that i'm excited the team's having 3,000 fans on draft day slash night to take part in a draft party you know that's good that's a return to normalcy i've been to a ton of draft parties at fedex field by and large they're very fun there's you know, activities and big screens and kids and draft picks sometimes like it's fun. I, I'm, I'm so excited that that's happening. It's, it's, it's a little bit of getting back to normal. So for fans that can be there. Awesome. I, I I'm pretty sure I'll be there and I look
2: forward to seeing you. Um Yeah. Yeah. Fred Smoot will be there. He's always a good time. There's going to be conversations with players and alumni and Julie and Bram Weinstein and bram weinstein excuse me uh so many opportunities for fun and that will be nice i don't know i i wasn't there when you guys talked to him at the rhino brewery before uh the season so i haven't gotten updated info on what his last name is i'll just say bram
0: i mean you might have been too young but when he was the 980 then redskins beat reporter he had like one of the most famous sign-offs he'd be like for you know whatever it was then for yes for
2: for team 980 i'm bram weinstein I heard all of you guys do that to him at various moments on the sideline of practice, but I don't necessarily remember him doing it when I was growing up listening. But my dad listened all the time. I'm sure he'd know.
0: Yeah, ask your dad. Um, so I, I'm excited as uh, <laughs> so far I'm I'm over one story, I'm annoyed by another, but I'm a damn excited about the draft day thing. Um yeah, it's not bad. Mitch says six holes in and he has a one to one ratio of double bogeys to beers. So do you Absolutely. think he has- six double bogeys
2: i think I was, three double bogeys i was gonna say three or four um but no matter what whether it's three or four having that many beers through six holes a third of the round knowing it's only going to go increase from there is is just day in the life of mitch on the golf course he likes to pound
0: <laughs> pound them off the tee pound him in the cart. <laughs> um One week, how many hours in a week?
2: I have no idea. Uh, Um, Let me do real quick math. Seven times 24, 168. All right. So 168
0: plus three and a half is 171 and a half hours until the NFL draft starts. Roughly. That's exactly spot on. What
2: happens for the Washington football team in the first round? The Washington football team will. Miss out on their quarterbacks, hang out at 19, and land a home run pick in Micah Parsons. Mm. How about you, JP, the prognosticator?
0: I don't know how in
2: on the Micah Parsons
0: pick I am. Um, I believe they take a lineman. I think they chill at 19 and take alignment. So I'm saying this one just because I just had to do a mock draft with the uh, XM, the fantasy XM NFL channel.
2: Nice.
0: Um, yeah, no big deal. Um, <laughs> more content. <laughs> um, I'm not busy. I figured I should do one more thing. And so I, we did this today on the radio and I'm curious, I want your three, me, <laughs> B. Mitch and Mitch actually joined us on the radio. Listened. Slater and Sewell are going to be gone. They yeah. will be gone. Like, like when we talk about quarterbacks, you you and I don't need to talk about Wilson and Lawrence because they ain't coming to Washington, right? And mm-hmm. like when we talk about tackles, Sewell and Slater aren't coming here. So we don't need to like just be extra verbose for no reason. Correct. So the players that I think could land here are Saw, Vera Tucker, and Tevin Jenkins, who's the tackle from – Oklahoma state. Yeah. So my plan was to take one of those dudes. And then in this mock draft thing, I was in Tevin, or if one of these top three wideouts fall, I think you just take them because it's an elite. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of seeing these picks get texted to me. I'm interested. And then it's just like, boom, like I just start taking body blows. Mac Jones goes 15 to the Patriots, which I think if Mac Jones is there at 19 changes their plan. I, I don't know that he will be, but. I kind of don't think he will be. I don't think any of the quarterbacks will be. But if Mac Jones is there at 15, I think it changes their plan. If Waddle or Smith is there at 19, I think it changes their plan. Waddle goes 16. Tevin Jenkins goes 17. So that left me with Elijah Vera Tucker. And he's not the pencil i in at left tackle for the next 10 years guy that, that people like to talk about. But he's got a ton of positional flexibility, which we know Ron Rivera loves and talks about all the time. Plus, think about this. They have Sheriff for this year. They definitely have Morgan for this year. But next year, I'm not sure it's a given. I mean, Morgan's still under contract, but. And honestly, at, at what you're paying Morgan, assuming he stays healthy, I would think you keep him. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, he'll be going into the last year of his deal with no guarantees on there. Like, having. A really flexible player that can play all over the offensive line while it's not addressing left tackle the future it's super valuable so i think avt is my pick yeah right now
2: yeah i mean you can kind of play him wherever you want in year one whether it's left guard left tackle whatever you're more comfortable with that kind of lets you see where he's good and then depending on share for Moses' future you have the chance to move him around etc so i like the pick um I think it is interesting that we've talked so much about trading up and we've talked so much about, all right, if they don't trade up, what do they do at 19 that you haven't heard much from the trade down crowd. And I haven't heard anybody predict that. And I know that's always appealing. So uh, I do wonder if, you know, something happens where a crazy player falls that Washington's not expecting, but they don't need like, I don't know, safety or something or an edge rusher, the top edge rusher, for example, or somebody likes Travis Etienne then they could trade down and acquire more picks. And we just haven't had time to cover that. But that's always an option and always a, a good option, depending on which pundits you believe. Just more swings at the plate. is always a good thing. I'm
0: fine with trading down. It supports my veteran quarterback in 2022 theory also. Because yeah, might need, popularizing that theory might, might need extra ammunition to go get Matt Ryan or Aaron Rodgers or whoever the hell it is.
2: Yeah. Uh, all right, should we get to Weish? We should get to Weish.
0: Um, yesterday, I went and played golf with Mitch at uh, Cattail Creek in Howard County, which is a dope, really fun course. Um, really enjoyed it. I want to get out there when it's not hurricane force winds, because it's not like a bomber course all the time. Like you, you can mm-hmm. get irons off the tees a lot. Um, that. Yeah, it, it was fun. It was re- really, really fun. Um, I forgot my golf clubs, which was yeah. a bit of an error. Um, Just
2: beyond idiotic.
0: Well, do you know what we've done so far in the 15 minutes or so we've been talking? Um,
2: what? Oh, no, Oarsman, no Oarsman. want to
0: say thank you to Orsman Automotive of Virginia. We ride with them, want you to do the exact same thing. Check them out online, OrsmanVA.com. Again, Oarsmanva.com. six dealerships all over Northern Virginia, sell you anything you need. They got Buicks, they got Toyotas. Um, you know, Peter, my lease is up the end of this year. I'm already, I'm already looking. I'm already yeah. considering my options. Yeah, it's good. You got to plan long-term.
2: Um, and I thought my heart dropped. I thought you were going to say, you know, we've done 15 minutes. Let's talk to nobody because I didn't hit record. I did hit record. So this all is going to exist. Thank God.
0: Good deal. Thank you to Orsman VA. Thank you to Pete for hitting record. And here comes Steve Weiss.
3: On the football field, the action happens in the blink of an eye. It's like that off the field, too, when you've been injured. In a split second, your life is changed. Whether on the field or in the courtroom, when you've been injured, you need the right teammates by your side. You need Chase and Boscolo, a law firm willing to protect and fight for your rights. On the football field or in the courtroom, having the right team determines whether you win or lose.
1: When injuries change your life, call Chase and Boscolo, trial lawyers that care See over the past 100 years, we've learned that to succeed in business, we've got to keep our customers happy. And that's the Oarsman story. Oarsman Ford Lincoln. Let's ride together.
0: All right. It is a big, big, big pleasure to be joined by Steve Weish of the NFL network. You can follow him on Twitter at Weish 89. he has got the huddle and flow podcast. He's everywhere. I know this is a busy time of year with the NFL draft coming up, Steve. Um, for us in the Washington football world, the biggest debate is, is Washington actually going to move up for one of these quarterbacks or is that just a ton of pre-draft smoke?
3: I think they could, if one starts to fall, I mean, I don't see them getting into the top five because coming from 19 to five, I mean, you are mortgaging so much of your future for that one player. So you, you have to nail it. And we know three, are going with the first three picks. So you're going to have to get up to four. And is that the guy you want? I don't see them moving up unless one of these QBs starts to get into the 10 or beyond range, which is possible. I mean, look, let's say the 49ers, this whole Mac Jones stuff has been a ruse and they go with Trey Lance or Justin Fields. That's a player who's going to start to slip because there's a lot of teams who don't have them nearly as highly rated as supposedly the Niners do remember Mac Jones was no, no one was thinking about him top five until the Niners made the trade to get to three so if that's all a ruse he could slip so maybe if that's somebody Washington likes we'll see but whomever that could be I do not see the trading up unless that quarterback starts to get down to that double digit draft range so then maybe it's not as much freight that they would have to give up to get to that spot
0: I'd contend Fields and Lance should go ahead of Mac Jones. I, I think it's kind of crazy that that he is the guy that might be going third overall. I mean, that's what makes the draft just just so interesting. I know you've been on the road at a lot of these pro days. Kind of bigger picture. How weird is this? I mean, normally the combine, the senior bowl, like it's also regimented. How weird has just this pre-draft process been? I've only been to one pro day because of
3: COVID protocols. We we couldn't bounce all over the place. So I was at Brigham Young. I saw Zach Wilson. How was um, he in person? Players. I mean, watch him throw the ball is a treat. But I mean, but at the same time, I'll say this, you know, every pro day I've gone to with a quarterback, it's a treat. It, it should be. The only time it's newsworthy is when it's not. Remember when Teddy Bridgewater did not have the great pro day, that's when it's newsworthy. Because, you know, I've seen Matthew Stafford. I've, I've seen, you know, uh, James wins i mean all these guys do these things they look great because they're choreographed they're throwing the receivers they know things like that that's what the combine is different you know and it's two years in a row that we really haven't been able to do this this is a little bit more intriguing because you could go there in person and see the pro day you could see talent evaluators and actually have conversations with them in person and see that they wouldn't be there just eyeballing the quarterbacks but maybe an offensive lineman um, who could be a tackle, who they're working out at guard and center positions as well. So you're kind of seeing how some of these teams think a little bit. So that's what's really cool about it. Just the in-person part of it is, is almost refreshing. Sure. I mean, seriously, I mean, after doing what we're doing right now, in news conference-wise, with players and coaches, there's a class of rookies we have not had personal interaction with other than this. So, I mean, that part of it's been great. And you talk to talent evaluators. They'll tell you, ah, film speaks for itself, blah, blah, blah. Right. That's how come you were so eager to get on the road and talk to these guys in person and take them to dinner and everything else. So we're not buying any of that stuff.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, dude, for us, as as people that are on the Washington football team beat, and, and Mitch goes back to 2009, I think. I, I've been out there since 2012. Not having the first year in person with Ron Rivera, he's almost turned that entire roster over. So, yeah. like, the, the players on that team now – Some of them know us from before, but a lot of it, there's been a ton of churn. And when we're finally, if we're finally back in that locker room, it's going to be so different. I wanted to ask you about the pro day specifically. So Trey Lance's second pro day, it it almost sounded like from all the reporting I heard was almost like dictated by the 49ers or, or at least a ton of requests. Have you seen, something like that before with, with a player where there's so much interest, where one team ha- asked him to go through all these specific drills. It's, that's not unusual. Um,
3: maybe so for a quarterback, but I have seen teams where you will actually see a position coach. I mean, I, I saw Mike Zimmer run the linebacker drills at a pro day one time when he was with the Bengals, right? When he was the DC there, I've seen assistant coaches for certain teams run a position group, that type of workout for, for a certain player. So it it seems as though, okay, Hey, we gave you this advanced work. We want to help dictate that because John Beck, who is the quarterback coach who was working with Trey Lance um, we're familiar with him, but at the same time, John Beck also is working with Zach Wilson and other players as well. So I'm sure all of these teams and they're working with these specific quarterback coaches who may want to work, you know, a workout. Trent Dilfer, uh, you know, something like that. He may be working with these guys. They put their own elements and their own, you know, numerical systems and play design and the depth of routes and things like that. They may ask those things to be in there. So just so they can see that. So, you know, I, I know Zach Wilson, you saw a lot of routes, uh, tight end routes, a lot of things on the move, a lot of things that uh, Michael LeFleur, you know, the Shanahan, that whole group, McVeigh group, that whole what they like to do. You saw a lot of that with his pro day. So uh, they, they all have their hands in it. So, but maybe there's, you know, the 49ers are having fun with us right now. This whole Trey Lance, Oh yeah. Let's get it out there right before pro day that we dictated this. They're, they're, they're playing us right now. So I, and I, and I kind of love it because it does make it, it intriguing at number three.
0: It's also crazy just to hear all the names, LaFleur, Shanahan, McVeigh, and remember they were all here in DC. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> go ahead, Pete. Sorry, buddy.
2: Uh, JP wrote a story this morning, Steve, about how Washington could, their time and maybe be in on a Matt Ryan or an Aaron Rodgers next off season. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, there's always more quarterbacks to draft. There could be more veterans who come available Um, knowing with that, would you be content if you were ahead of this Washington football team, would you be content waiting for that next year and rolling with Ryan Fitzpatrick and this team that you already have, or would you be inclined to just try and get a younger quarterback, not have to mortgage the future, but if one falls, would you like that option better and put him behind Fitzpatrick? Which way are you leaning there? Tough call. Um, you know,
3: you look at Ron Rivera, you know, and when he had North turn, they developed Cam Newton from the time he was a rookie. But for the most part, since then, that whole developed thing really hasn't been part of their MO. But it depends on your whole roster um, with the way. Look, if you're going to go, if you're expecting a Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers or Matt Ryan or Deshaun Watson, guys like that, they, they could very much be available next year. And you're willing to absorb a contract, which actually in financial terms will be smaller than, you know, that some of these other quarterbacks coming up, they're already under those deals, then you, you bide your time, but don't think you're going to be the only team in those sweepstakes. And, you know, those teams are going to have a little bit of compensation leverage, but not as much as they would have now. So that's a way to look at it. I mean, that's something you can do, say, okay, we're going to try to finesse our way through this now and get there. But at the same time, Okay. Suppose Dak Prescott has that big year, and Dallas gets things rolling with defensively. Suppose Jalen Hurts gets it going with Philly, and Daniel Jones—I mean, the moves the Giants made—I mean, suppose Daniel Jones gets it together, then you have to say to yourself, okay, do we want to build young and maybe do that, or do we want to take the approach like you said and wait for a veteran quarterback after Fitzpatrick, who can come right in and put us over the top? Like what Tom Brady did with Tampa Bay, what Tom Brady did down there has changed a lot of people's oh, yeah. thinking about getting an older quarterback.
4: We should remember that Tom Brady's a unicorn, and there aren't a whole lot of Tom Brady's sitting around out there. But
0: we yeah, know but, how I important mean, even Stafford and Golf and Wentz sure one
4: hundred percent quarterback movement than ever. One hundred percent. You know how important we all know how important quarterback is, and we all know Washington doesn't more than likely have their long term solution, but. Anything in the draft this year, we're talking about kind of a a magical scenario where it ends up perfectly for the the Washington football team. So if this quarterback situation doesn't materialize, where do you see them going in 19? They're in such a good
3: spot um, because they they do have a pretty good team. Um, It's weird because, you know, the offensive tackles, there could be a run on those tackles or some of those offensive linemen a little bit before you get to 19. Right, so maybe they move up. If they want one of these guys, they may have to move up to get one of these guys, or they can sit back and wait because that means it's going to be a run on quarterbacks potentially, a run on offensive tackles, definitely a run on wide receivers. So some of those cornerbacks are going to be right there waiting for them, right? Some of those edge guys. It's not a deep edge guy group, or linebacker group overall, but if a guy like Micah Parsons from Penn State is sitting right there, it's going to be hard to pass up. I mean, it really is. And so they've got some potential. And I know, like, Martin Mayhew is an incredible processor of talent. And I think what he also has learned the last couple of years, you know, with the 49ers is you cannot, as much as we talk about corners and this and that, having a great front seven buys you a lot of luxury. It buys you time for your quarterback to be just okay. Right? It buys you time for your secondary to be just okay. So I, I think that could go into the thinking as well. So I would think possibly defensive front seven, they're not really front four, the the, the second level guy, but they're in a good spot for some of those players just to fall right back to them.
0: I, I agree. I, I didn't think they could move back possibly. And- Ron specifically talked about the depth at linebacker. I find that pretty interesting. Like the Kentucky kid, so many people like, or the Tulsa guy, so many people like you could probably get that player in the twenties in the first round. But Steve, I wanted to ask you something specifically about Martin Mayhew because we've gotten to know Ron a little bit in town, but I'm guessing you've known Martin a number of years from his time around the league, New York, Detroit, San Fran, whatever. He doesn't say anything like I'm used to coaches and execs that say nothing, but he's, he's on the Mount Rushmore. i not saying anything.
2: Yeah. It's like, Hey Martin, how's the weather today? Well, I don't really want to get into that. And my tip our hand about the weather tomorrow. It's, <laughs> it's very tight lipped over there.
3: That's because you are now with an organization that has a one voice uh, leader. Martin Mayhews is engaging in everything as you can, but you are with a one voice organization. That voice is Ron Rivera. And that's how it's going to be. I mean, that clearly has been decided. You're barely going to hear from anyone else. Martin is close to the vest. He is a, a quiet guy, but you know he's a former player too. Now he's got he's got a little bit. You know he's got a little bit Especially of player in him. A defensive
0: back. Those dudes are the most verbal of any football player in history,
3: other than wide receiver.
0: Sure, one and one there. Yeah,
3: but you know, again, you're you're just in a situation where it is, it is a one voice leadership, just like. In Dallas, you're really not going to hear from anybody but Mike McCarthy. You know, they're, they're just teams that decide on that that one voice. And so Martin, he'll, he'll talk. He's just not going to say anything. But you're just at a point right now. Again, this is where Zoom hurts us, though. Totally. Like, yeah, totally. I mean, this, this is where Zoom, as us in the media, it really affects us. Because if you have an engaging personality and you have a reputation, whatever, where you can build trust, credibility where you can build trust the guys will talk to you um even if you're in a one voice type of situation you got you guys know how this works but you know as long as we're you know however far away we are via zoom it's the manipulation can be absolutely fantastic
0: it's the zoom stuff all like all of the time that is public when the cameras are on would still be the same, but the time in between when a coach, an executive, a player walks in the door before they're in front of the camera or before the mic is on, or while they're setting up the lighting, all of that is invaluable to kind of our world. And all of that has been removed. It's been tough, man. It's been different anyway. Well, like you said, it's tougher for you too, because you have a new
3: coach you have not had face-to-face time with, where you can walk the field with him during training camp, right? Or just do whatever. And now you've got a new general manager in Martin Mayhew who's got ties to that organization, who you can't walk the field with, who you can't introduce yourself with a look in the eye. And and that's very, very hard. And like I said, there's a rookie class who thinks this is the way, this is the way it's going to go. And when I don't know if we're going to be in locker rooms this year, I, I still don't know if that part's going to happen. However, we're going to be a practice as it looks like, right? So we can maybe walk with them on the, off the field. I just don't know what that protocol is going to be, but, even if they are at a press stand or we do a request for them for post practice, as you guys know, those training camps and everything are valuable for that type of time. Totally. And, you know, if we are able to even stand six feet away and just chop it up, however, the whatever the protocols are going to be, it is invaluable where they can see you, where they can see how tall you are, where they can look at you and say, you look different than you do on TV or man, I didn't know this is what you look like behind that byline. I mean, there's all kinds of just human nature things that that work when you're in person that just do not work on Zoom, mainly because you're sharing it with 10 other people and you can't occupy all the time. Totally. totally. Yeah. And it's from Coming the GM up,
4: on down all the way to the position coaches and, and sure. all those guys who give you,
0: you know, who you
4: can get so much from.
0: Equipment guys. And it's not, the a lot of times those are my the guys, time, the equipment like guys. You're trying to get insight inside info to uh, dirt like you just want insight into the team you cover to try to present the best information and it's it's uh I don't know it's been a unique challenge I'm curious how you think Washington stands up in the NFC East you talked about Dak you talked about if DJ ever gets it going with the Giants what what do you think about the East this year it's it look the East is always the
3: East okay last year it was down because everyone had sub 500 records but it is almost a 10 and 6 9 and 7 champion every year and it typically comes down to the final two weekends of the season to determine the the division for as long as I can remember it is always mucked up and jumbled up into the final two weeks at least between two or three teams so it's going to be the same way this year so we look at Washington we see that great defensive line we see that they've really built a physical type of football team you add a Curtis Samuel who is a fun player to watch I mean he can play running back you can do stuff with him in the slot. He can hit it deep. He is an exciting player at him, at Terry McLaurin. You're thinking with the way Ryan Fitzpatrick plays, he doesn't have to work that hard because he's got playmakers around him, right? But then you say, wow, the Giants with Saquon Barkley, and they can get some of the healthy players back and some of the pieces that they added. Kenny Galladay, players like that. What do they do in the draft? Do they try to move up in the draft to get someone like Kyle Pitts to really get? I mean, no one's going to give up the option to get." Kyle Pitts, by the way. So that's not going to happen. I'm just throwing that out there. But it's just very interesting to see because if Dallas gets some of the defensive players that they need, and we don't know if that's it, but they've changed coordinators. they got a really good secondary coach back there now, Joe Witt. You know, they've got Dan Quinn. You know, Dak's back. And they were playing good football before Dak got hurt. So you just don't know. But I like Washington. I think they are going to be a fun team to watch. It's just going to be with some of these other teams do. I mean, Washington's a leader in the clubhouse. Cause again, Fitzpatrick is, you guys are going to love that guy. I mean, he'll do some stuff that's going to drive you crazy, but he will do some stuff, especially at the end of the games. You're like, this dude is like, you know, I just got to go on the carnival wheel twice. It's really, he's just a fun, a fun dude to be around and to watch play,
2: but can he do it for 16?
3: And, I can- you know,
2: I can- that's 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 gonna be the interesting part sorry to interrupt i see jp now already in the FedEx field press box having his postgame story written and then fitzpatrick scores 10 points in the last five (laughs) minutes and it's a therapist story it happens all the time already can't wait um we have a very passionate group of listeners can you give them a steve weish diamond in the rough draft prospect for them to google and youtube and study up on someone that you think is gonna slip that I know it's it's
0: a tough one. Question, Pete. I'm not I'm not yeah. a,
2: I'm not a draft expert. I'm not I'm not you
3: know I'm not Dan or Jeremiah or Mel Kuyper. Um, I tell you what, there's a young D lineman. How, here we go, a depth rotational dude. There's a young D lineman out of Tulane. Um, I forget his last name. But his first name is Cameron. Uh, he's someone I think people are projecting in like third fourth round. Exciting, exciting player to watch. So
2: Cameron sample,
3: Cameron sample. He's out of Atlanta. Okay. This is a player I've heard people talk about. He's going to be available again. It could be a second, possibly a third day dude. Again, you don't, you don't think Washington needs him, but you got to rotate guys in and out that could be a nice player with position flex. It's not sexy. Right. But there's a name again. I'm not Mel Kiper. I'm not any of these dudes. I don't watch a ton of college football.
0: We're going to make just, him run laps for putting you on the spot. Like right. That. Yeah. Oh, that so you're Joe Judge? Not a cool you're move. Joe Judge yeah.
4: yeah. We're just going to fight him. We're just going to fight him in the locker room. <laughs>
0: That's my fault. <laughs> um, real See, quick. Go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Mitchell. I was just
4: uh, – Washington football team name is obviously always a big thing with the fans of this team. This week they sent out a survey with a bunch of different options on it. What are your thoughts on Washington football team as a name – Itself should it stay. Is there a name that you've heard that you like? What are your What are your thoughts on this this whole crazy situation as it unfolds?
2: No, Mitch is God, running God. laps with me right now, by the no, way. No, so
4: no, question.
3: no, no. This is actually he's got a good point of reference. Remember, I was in DC.
4: You went to Howard, NBA, right?
3: Right. Well, yeah. There we go, right go. there, and uh, you know, and I, and I covered the NBA, you know, with the Bullets and the Wizards. That whole stuff uh, was going on. So, um, I I I really do hope they find a nickname. Um uh represent I mean the WFT was fun and, and cute and we've all adjusted to it but I think they can find a nickname the six I don't I don't have how about the button well no the bison is taken you can't do that but you know there's
4: room for two. How are they handling compared to when the bullets became the wizards?
0: That was a mess too. I remember voting at Boston Market. Well I mean that was a different that it's
3: weird. I mean I think, I think they're handling it pretty well. I mean, with, with Washington, it was kind of like the fun time, but it was weird because D.C. was the murder capital of the United States, and a poll was like, yeah, let's kind of push away from the violence, even though I don't think people took that really as like, you right. know, but right. um, you know, and then they hit the Wizards, which offended a lot of people because that is the name of sure. a clan title. Um, but I, I think they handled it very, very well. It's It was just well way too long overdue. It, it was, it was It's a shame that it took financial pressure and political pressure, so to speak, of the public to finally get them to change the name when, you know, I know a lot of people are going to be offended by this, but it was insensitive to a significant group of people um, who are the native inhabitants of this land um, of which I have a very tight uh, relationship with. So I'm just glad that the name finally did change.
0: I'm I'm wondering, Steve, just from your time in DC, do you, like, do you remember when you were here? Washington was certainly better than they've been maybe over the last 25 years or whatever. Do you remember them fondly? Like, do you look forward? Not many people look forward to going to FedEx Field, but like, do you like coming back? What's your relationship with the city and then with the team? So, I grew up between Minneapolis
3: and St. Louis. So, I hated them. I hated them. I hated the Cowboys. Especially especially the Cowboys because I grew up a Vikings fan and they were forever knocking us out like in the conference championship round. But I did not like Washington until Doug Williams, um, won the Super Bowl. It was at Howard. I want to say it's like one of my final years at Howard when Doug won it. And I, and I really appreciate it. I really appreciate like how Joe Gibbs and Bobby Beth and those guys put a team together, like living there, you know, you're inundated with, sure. it, with it. Right. So, but you just really saw the inner workings of how, um, They handle their business. So I really had a tremendous respect when I come back to DC, um, you know, I've got a ton of friends there. I've got just a great affinity for the city. My wife and I love DC. We really do love DC. Um, but like I said, going to FedEx field and, you know, doesn't, you know, I, I go there for work, man. Right. When I come to D.C., there's a whole lot of other things that are on that on the leisure time priority list than going to catch a football game. I get it. I get it. Um, I get crab bombs. I get crab bombs from Jerry's oh. seafood. That is my jam. That is a must
0: whenever I come to the D.M.V. I mean, it's the biggest one going. The thing is, is huge. Uh, Steve, we appreciate the time, man. I know you're going to be working like crazy over the next few weeks here. Enjoy the draft, and maybe we can catch up afterwards once the Washington football team takes Micah Parsons or whatever they end up doing.
3: There we go. And if I come to town, we're going to go to Jerry Seafood, Crab Bombs on Me, and it will not be via oh.
0: Zoom.
3: Oh. I'm
0: all the way. I'm in. saving this all audio. <laughs> Thank you very much, Steve. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Steve.
1: Oarsman opened its first car dealership in 1921. Now, over 100 years and many dealerships later, Oarsman of Virginia can proudly say that when it comes to your car buying needs, if you want it, we've got it. Savings, selection and service, check. Lifetime engine guarantees and car washes, check. Loaner cars and free Virginia inspections, check and check. See, over the past 100 years, we've learned that to succeed in business, we've got to keep our customers happy. And that's the Oarsman story. Horseman Chantilly Kia. Let's ride together.